帮我放。So, so Gunnar, we got a uh, special guest uh, this week. Hi. Oh, good. Hey, yeah. Lauren. I'm back. You're back. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So this is um, what we're gonna do is uh, we're going to play an interview that that Lauren did over uh, Christmas break. So why don't, why don't you tell us about this interview? Okay. So I had the opportunity to go down to Tiny Circuits in Akron. And interview Ken Burns, who's the founder of Tiny Circuits. And uh, they make really, really, like, coin-sized miniaturized Arduinos. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So so we went down there, and, and uh, there uh, you – well, why – so you did this interview, and what, what was the whole – why did – you didn't, like, randomly just interview somebody to interview somebody. What was the purpose of the interview, or where did it end up? It actually ended up on opensource.com, which was really cool. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that was pretty cool. Yeah, so, um, so Gunnar, this is the uh, audio of the, uh, the interview. Oh, excellent. Okay, uh, well, let's have a listen. Okay, so how'd you get into computers? Uh, I guess I grew up kind of a nerd. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's the same way most people do, so I was just always fascinated by computers when I was young, so I remember having to go, we didn't have a computer when I grew up, so at least not until I was like six or seven. So the first time I really had access to a computer was at the library, so I remember I was about six or seven, you could go sign up for like a 15 minutes of computer time with an Apple II, and so I was just fascinated with doing that, and so I made my mom take me to the library once a week. Because you can, I think, just use it once a week because it's so high demand. And then later we got a Commodore 64, and I was just enamored with computers. It's kind of, you know, had the knack from a young age and still am <laughs> all these years later. Nice. Yeah. So, what inspired you to start Tiny Circuits? Well, I worked as an engineer for the last 15 years doing product design. And yeah, I worked for a company called Avid in Twinsburg where different people come in with different ideas across all different markets of things they want designed. So anything from like a water filtration system, uh, which believe it or not did have electronics in it, up to like a robotic golf cart that I designed right before we left, uh, right before I left um, a few months ago. Um, but I always saw kind of a common thread that people needed different little modules and things in, in their, their products. And so kind of, at least the genesis of the whole Tiny Circuits idea was to make smart sensor modules that people could embed into products. So if you wanted like an easy to use temperature sensor, you can kind of just plug it in almost like USB and it just kind of works, was the idea. And then two or three years ago, kind of got off on a little tangent of the whole Arduino uh, market, which was new to me. And really saw an opportunity there to shrink that down and make it into something that people could you know, have the same ease of use as an Arduino, but just make it much tinier, and that's kind of where it started. Cool. So I'm going to beat you here a little bit. Uh, so open source is just about software, right? No. <laughs> Next question. Okay. <laughs> well, well, no. I, obviously, the traditional mind says open source is about software, and that's kind of what people are most familiar with, including myself. I mean, again, my background is an electrical engineer. Um, Hardware has always been something you've kind of held 
dear to the company or the person making it. You don't necessarily let it out there. And so the whole open source hardware movement, which has really come into its own over the last seven or eight years, starting mostly with Arduino and then certainly other things like Raspberry Pi and BeagleBoard, BeagleBone, and also in the 3D printing community, that there's really a huge advantage in the hardware world to make things open source as well. So certainly you've seen with Arduino being so popular that here's a platform that if you look at it, it's basically just a microprocessor development kit that you see from all sorts of different manufacturers. But the fact that they made it open, got a community behind it, that's really the, the power of it, uh, where you get people to continuously contribute different hardware designs, software designs into this, this platform. And again, it's kind of building on what you see with open source software, with the community behind a certain platform that keeps, keeps it alive and keeps it growing and, and useful. You're seeing the same thing with hardware now, with, its, with 3D printers, with, with electronic things like Arduino and Raspberry Pi, that people just kind of build on that and make it better. So what's the difference between the Raspberry Pi and the Arduino? Uh, the Raspberry Pi is a higher-end processor, and it also has a, a Linux port incorporated with it, whereas Arduino is it's a lower-end processor, so it's an 8-bit versus a 32-bit processor, and it's, it's meant for really different things. So if you want a simpler platform, you just want it to blink lights or even do some simple communication, kind of Arduino is, is kind of the fit for that. Whereas if you need something higher end where you're dealing with video or high end processing, Raspberry Pi is great for that. But if you're doing something low power, I mean, that's another thing that we're kind of tardy in the tiny circuit stuff for, where we have a small coin cell attached to it, where you want something to like use our Wi-Fi and wake up once a month and report a, a sensor, tweet out something. You can do that with an Arduino fairly easily where it's would be a bit much more complicated with a Raspberry Pi just due to the power concerns. Yeah. Okay, so I'm pretty familiar with the with both Scratch and the Raspberry Pi, but how would I get started on something like the Arduino? Well the great thing about the Arduino is it's really designed um, not only from the hardware side but also the software side to be very easy to get started and get going. And so the Arduino team based out of Italy had developed what they call the Arduino IDE, which kind of, you know, the processor itself is a well-known processor. It's been around. A lot of people program it in assembly or C. But the Arduino language takes a lot of that complexity away. And so some of the things that are hard that you might think of typically with embedded programming, they've kind of stripped that down to really the, to make it fairly simple to get going. And so the great thing about the Arduino IDE is it's free to download. Um, there's a number of examples in it. So if you want to get learning to blink an LED or to sound a buzzer or whatnot, there's examples for that. And so you can get get going really in a matter of minutes. And with regards to Scratch, there's there's a Scratch port for Arduino as well. Yeah, the SA4. Do you know much about it? Not really. Okay. <laughs> so what are you doing at Tiny Circuits that's different from what the traditional concept of an Arduino? Basically, the, the difference that we have is the miniaturization of it, and there's certainly other mini-type Arduino products out there, including some from the main Arduino team, like the Arduino Nano. Um, the difference that we put into it is actually maintaining the expandability of the core Arduino platform. And so, although we have a very miniature platform, you can still expand on it fairly easily and to add GPS, Wi-Fi, Ethernet, motor control, different things that, like you can with traditional Arduino, 
which a lot of the other miniature platforms you can't do. There's a lot of soldering involved. So we tried to keep the simplicity of an Arduino and just shrink it to make it a lot more useful for a lot of projects that have to be small. So I know right next door you have the quadrocopter place. What are some of your other favorite applications of tiny circuits? Uh, one of the big things that I have a large interest in is like wireless sensor networks. And so with a tiny circuit, now you can you know, put a radio on it, put different sensors on it and a small battery and potentially have something out there that can run for a few years off a battery and log data. Uh, one example was one of our Kickstarter backers had an idea, he's a PhD student from England, uh, actually working in Africa, and he needed to survey a large game preserve mm -hmm. over there, and he's monitoring climate data across, I think it's 100 square miles or 100 square kilometers area, and so by using tiny circuits, he was able to actually put sensor nodes fairly distributed across the entire place and log it to an SD card, and then at the end of a year, actually come out there and see the temperature and climate data at all these different points across the, the game preserve. Whereas traditionally, if he's used off-the-shelf things, it would be much more expensive for him to do the customization, it would be much more difficult, and so he'd only be able to do a few data points as, a, as compared to maybe 100 data points across the, across the whole game park. So how, is, how important has open source been in the creation of Tiny Circuits? Is the open source hardware economy sort of different from the open source software economy? Uh, well, obviously the one big difference with open source hardware is you have to actually produce something. Yeah. And so the initial investment is much higher. So as you've seen today, we have quite a bit of machinery, whereas a traditional open source software company would not need that initial investment. They could almost, I don't want to say do it for free, but do it at a much lower cost. Um, a computer and a keyboard and you're good to A computer go. and a keyboard and they can still probably maintain their current job and do that on the side. Whereas with hardware, if you're actually producing something, there's the machinery and the people involved to do it. So it's a much higher front-end investment to get into open source hardware. Um, that being said, it's still, compared to old ways, it's not as bad as it used to be. There's a number of places out there to help you with that, even if you don't want to get into the production side. Places like Seed Studio and SparkFun has it. They used to have their batch PCB service, OHS Park now, I believe it's called. Um, but there are things to help you with that. But definitely, it, it is a bit different to get started. But with regards to it being open source, we built off the Arduino platform, and so there's a large community there. And so we kind of went into it uh, you know, because it was open source with the leg up versus if we were to do it from scratch and try to build our own community. And the same thing with people building on our stuff, that people have actually taken our designs and derived things from them. And so again, it's just kind of building upon each other. So what are some of the best ways to get kids into the maker movement using open source hardware like Tiny Circuits? I think the best way to get kids involved is really just kind of expose them to projects and examples that can use them, things that they would be interested in. And so certainly, robotic competitions in schools, different things where they actually learn to use electronics and learn to use software and actually programming. Um, I definitely, I think going through schools and different clubs is the way to really uh, get to students. And really, it's, it's about engaging them in doing something that they want to do um, and show them, you know, here's some tools you can actually build this thing, whatever that thing happens to be that they 
they're interested in. So do you also like do the mega fairs to go to to meet kids? Because I know at the mega fair for the two seconds that I was able <laughs> to stop by the booth, I saw there was a lot of kids there just simply getting their hands on the tiny circuits and putting stuff together to make things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the maker fair and getting, you know, getting these things in front of the kids so they can actually play with them. Uh, obviously, mostly they're plugging in LEDs. Um, but as we get more things that they can actually, you know, build different things on the fly. So like little robots and things to kind of spur their imagination and kind of get their engineering mind, even though they might not think they have one yet, kind of, you know, cranking away. Yeah. Uh, so certainly Maker Fair is, I mean, not only, you know, really kids of all ages from like five years old up to 80 plus see these things and start to get ideas. And so that's it, just really cool to see. So Tiny Circuits is located in Akron, and has it, and is there a bunch of a difference here from in places like Silicon Valley, where there's, where you traditionally think like of startup sort of things? No, one of the great things about open source, and it doesn't matter if it's software or hardware, is the community is really, it, it can be very distributed, really completely globally, and that's one of the great things that the whole make movement or maker movement. And open source, you know, with the with the internet really becoming the way to communicate, that now people with similar interests that might be extremely obscure uh, now have potentially a large community around them that they can kind of share ideas with. Whereas, if you're to do it in the old days and you had some weird, you're into smelting iron or something, mm -hmm. that there might not be a lot of people locally that are interested in that. But now with the the internet and kind of sharing online. You, know, you can kind of connect in with that community without having to be in the same physical place as them. And so from a company standpoint, uh, I mean, the main Arduino team is really somewhat global, but the main team's in Italy. And then there's also people over in the U.S. We work with people in Japan, China, Singapore, really all across the globe. And so it doesn't, being located in the Silicon Valley really wouldn't give us any advantage over being located in Akron. So we're happy to be here in Akron. So Tiny Circuit started out as an entrepreneurial startup. What advice would you give to other entrepreneurs looking to enter into the open source maker movement? Um, a, you have to be somewhat crazy to do it. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean don't do it, because most makers are a little crazy to begin with. Um, definitely, I mean, the approach we took was to get crowdfunding through Kickstarter. And so if you're going to go into hardware, you have to think, you know, how, how am I going to produce this thing? I might have a great design. Does that mean I'm going to try to produce it myself? Am I going to go outside to produce it? Kind of understand what that means to actually make something. And then also, how am I going to sell this? And so just because you have a great product idea doesn't mean someone's going to buy it. That's the one nice thing about a Kickstarter or Indiegogo type campaign is you can put a prototype out there and get immediate, somewhat harsh feedback from people. But the nice thing is that might save you quite a bit of money. You can put it out there like we did on Kickstarter and say we want to raise you know, $10,000, which was kind of our minimum that if we got that, we could send it outside to have it built. There's not necessarily a business there though. Uh, by doing that and we raised over 100,000, that kind of showed, okay, people are really interested, interested in this concept, so there's probably a good business here. 
So again, it's, it's the same thing with any business if you're making a product that you have to determine if people actually want to buy it and then how you're actually going to make it. You got to stick your pinky toe into the water. Right. And so the, the nice thing anymore with things like Kickstarter is you can do that much cheaper than you had to in the, the old days. Mm -hmm. Whereas you might have to go to an investor or borrow a lot of money from family and friends. Uh, now you can, you know, I, you know, basically everything was funded by myself. And so it's been a few thousand dollars probably to develop these prototypes and build them at home and mostly my time. And then launch that on Kickstarter. And is it still going? Okay. Yeah, it still goes. Um, so that let us raise the initial money. So that was that's pretty cool. Okay, so last question. Is there anything that I didn't mention that you want to talk about? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Cool. Cool. So that's about it. Okay. Oh, that was great. So, so Lauren, tell me, tell me about what this place looked like. Like when you walked in, what's the, what, what does the floor actually look like? So I walked in and on one side, there were a couple of desks where I later found out they were like doing, I don't know. Well, they were looking at like whenever they built some of the Arduino, some of the, like the, like the soldering, control. yeah, quality to make sure that things were, uh, were manufactured properly. Yeah. And mm -hmm. then on the other side of the room, there were like these giant, machines that it was funny because it's like these things that are practic that are like only a foot or so taller than me and I'm like five nine mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. it's just like these huge machines to make these really small like circuit boards so yeah so it's right. like we had right. like a it was like a, a a wafer of of circuit boards that already mm -hmm. had the traces on them and then um you would he would put this uh, soldering paste on it and then stick it in the machine and then the machine would know where to stick all the resistors and all the electronics components and it would it would do all the soldering and um, and then they would pop out and they would stick another batch in and they would do uh, you know a couple batches every once in a while and everything so it's it's pretty cool to see you know something like that happen in um, in in Akron um, you know and yeah. in, in actually it was the old uh, BF Goodrich building I believe um, so is is a way of, of you know, transforming um, from one industry to uh, another industry, and that, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so it's just like Tiny Circuit is more than just for hobby. It's like it has real-world applications like the Game Preserve. Yeah, that, that was yeah. pretty cool how, how they were able to apply that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. That's so cool. Uh, Lauren, you're so lucky to have, uh, to have you know, one of these manufacturing facilities kind of right around the corner, basically. And they were so nice to to let you go in and interview them. Um, I think that was really cool. And he seemed like a really friendly, like very approachable guy, Yeah, uh, yeah he which is. is also really nice. Well, I, we didn't mention it, but how did, how did you run into Ken originally? I was originally at the Akron Mini Maker Fair and both of us were fairly swamped. So we didn't get a chance to talk him a lot, but he reached out to me through LinkedIn and was just like, Hey, want to come and see what we're doing? And I'm just like, sure. Can I interview you? Yeah. So, that's yeah. cool. sort of how everything started. Yeah, so and and that's what's pretty cool too is that we got the the different maker fairs uh, that are going on like all over the world. But um, like Lauren did the the Akron one and the Cleveland one, and and you got the Cleveland Mini Maker Fair coming up um, yep. in a couple weeks. Uh, yeah. So you'll be at that uh, doing a what are you doing there? I'm doing a scratch booth. So 
basically my dad and I are going to be sort of demoing Scratch, and then hopefully we're going to have a sort of computer lab, and I can have, like, a tutorial handout to, like, give people a little taste of Scratch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... Oh, that's, can that be the title of the session? A Taste of Scratch. <laughs> <laughs> and then I plan on having a account for the projects that people created at the at the Cleveland Mini Maker Fair and just, oh, yeah. just so people can go and see what they did. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Oh, cool. So oh, so yeah. what, what she'll do is it, um, you know, everybody will be logged into the same Scratch account so that the kids can go and they can see the games that they created after the event is over. They can go to the Scratch website and see, you know, Akron Mini Maker Fair Scratch or whatever the account is that she creates so the kids can see the work that they did and share it on the internet and fork it and create their own, extend what they wrote. Oh, that's wonderful. That's a great idea. How oh, cool. All right, well, Lauren, thanks so much for doing that, uh, for doing that interview. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed it. And we'll put a link to the uh, opensource.com article in the show notes, but for them to get to that link, where, what website do they need to go to, Lauren? dgshow.org. D is in dialect, G is in guinea pig, show.org. All right. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Great. Well, thanks, Lauren, for, for joining us on the, on the podcast and, and uh, being on this episode. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.